Good morning, wherever you are, and welcome to St. Michael's in the Morning, a podcast series encompassing everything from sermons and services to special audio presentations, brought to you by St. Michael's Episcopal Church in Austin, Texas. For more information, or to make a donation to St. Michael's, please visit www.st-michaels.org. Let's pray. Holy God, open our hearts, our ears, and our minds that we might truly listen and hear you and engage with one another. Lord, in each moment, show us what you'd have us do now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. So, we've had a new participant in the Jones home recently. Her name is Alexa. Does anybody else know her? Yeah? Alexa was a gift. You know, what do you give to dad? And she just sits in our kitchen and listens all the time. Once in a while, maybe she'll do something for us, like play a song for our granddaughter. Maybe. She might even tell us the weather if we ask just right. She was, I will say, particularly useful at Christmas because by adding a special plug in there, we could say things like, Alexa, turn Christmas tree on, and we did not have to crawl under the branches. But mostly she just sits. Now, Alexa has one game that my husband, Rick, who was here at the last service, and I like to play. It's her question of the day. If you answer correctly, you get points. Now, the points aren't worth anything, but who doesn't like points? Last week, one of Alexa's questions sparked some discussion between Rick and me. She asked from a list, which of these animals sleeps with one eye open? Well, the biologist in me made that a giveaway. It was a dolphin. Actually, the whole family of cetaceans, dolphins and whales, sleeps with half a brain at a time, about four hours for every 24, each half of the brain rests. Now, they have to do that. If you remember, they're mammals, and they have to come up for air periodically to breathe. And if they didn't have half their brain on, if they were in a very deep sleep, they might drown. It also helps keep them warm because most of them live in water below their core body temperature, and so they've got to keep moving to keep the heat going in the body. And with one eye open, there's also the chance to better watch for predators. And by the way, this is cool. Like us, the right eye is connected to the left side and vice versa. So if the dolphin has the left eye closed, it means the right half of the brain is sleeping. Anyway, it's irrelevant but fun. Anyhow, Rick thought this was such a great idea. He said, oh, wouldn't it be great if we could do that? because he was thinking of how much work he'd get done more. My answer was kind of loud and immediate. And I mean, no, it is a really, really bad idea. We need to sleep. It's kind of the answer of lots of us who need more sleep. We do need to sleep. A lack of sound sleep makes us not just tired, it's downright unhealthy. We need to shut down completely, just as dolphins need not to. By the way, dolphins don't dream. Wouldn't that be a loss? I like to dream. Like all living things, we're made with times for production and work and an equally important time to stop 
in order to reconnect, process what's been going on in the work, and then that other time to really rest. Well, quite a few weeks ago, when John asked if I would be here today, and I said, yes, I will, and realized I'd be on the other side of the altar for the first time, I looked at today's gospel, and I have to say, I just groaned. You see, Mary and Martha teach us, but for most of my life, I have been way too much Martha. And I know I am not the only one. Now, I got to stop here for a minute. We're saying Mary and Martha. Gentlemen, this is gender neutral. So it could be Mark and Matthew. You are not off the hook. All right. And anybody else, by the way, cringe at the thought of Jesus? Nice Jesus, kind and God and graceful and merciful going, Jazz, sit down, chill. Yes, sir. But let's get back to Mary and Martha. Historians think of Martha probably as a widow because she ran her own household, along with her sister Mary and their brother Lazarus. Now, this is the Lazarus that we'll meet later on in the gospel, and he'll be dead then and in a tomb. But, um, and at that time, it's Mary and Martha shaking their finger at Jesus. But that's another story. They live in Bethany, near where, where John was baptizing, where Jesus was called out as the Son of God, and the Holy Spirit descended like a dove. Where Jesus called Andrew and Simon Peter to follow him. Now, I've been to Jerusalem, and I've been to the Jordan where they say it is, and it's not where historic Bethany is supposed to be, but we do the best we can with biblical places, okay? Bethany is actually, or the town that was known as Bethany, they believe is about two miles from Jerusalem, but it's not an easy two miles. It's around the back of the Mount of Olives, the Garden of Gethsemane, and it's a rugged, windy road that takes about 45 minutes on a taxi ride if you went today. And by the way, Jesus would not be allowed in Bethany today. It's Palestinian territory. Back to the gospel. Earlier in this chapter, Luke tells us the disciples had gathered at Martha's. Lazarus is there lounging at the table. That was the custom. This family seems friends of Jesus, hosting him and his followers. Now, you'll notice that the Old Testament reading here was different from what was requested today, and I thank you for the beautiful reading, because that spoke of the real need and the requirement for everyone in the Jewish faith to be hospitable and to welcome strangers. And in fact, that's what God expects of us, welcome strangers. Um, in the following Martha, I'm sorry, Sarah and Abraham, Mary and Martha and Lazarus also welcomed as they were supposed to. This family fed and cared for Jesus and those who were with him, making for them a home away from home. And they seem pretty candid in conversation, you think? We hear this from Martha because she's unloading an earful of Mary frustration on Jesus. And it strikes me that while Mary might be very good at listening to Jesus, the sisters really aren't hearing each other. Martha kind of just sounds like she's sick of the buck stopping here. And it happens in just about every group and relationship that we're in for a while. People take on roles 
and we live into them, and we stop thinking about the other and the needs of the other as much and what drives them. We form habits. Jesus doesn't take the bait, though. His response to Martha is just as blunt. It's not work time now. Something else is going on. It's time to listen, to learn, time to be together, to focus on Jesus and be filled, refreshed and strengthened by the light and the life of the world. Now, Martha's got a point. The work's got to get done. But sometimes the work has to yield. Now, I watched something like this in action some years ago when uh, I was part of a team running a really wonderful spiritual formation conference. The day of the conference beginning arrived, and we all went and gathered to hear the speakers who had come in. But my teammate stayed behind. She was in charge of registration, and she could not relax from that responsibility until everything was reconciled. Well, I begged her, I pushed, and I failed. My friend who had worked so hard for this missed much of the gift we had planned. The better part was taken from her. She did exactly what her incredibly dedicated mind told her to do, but she missed the rest. In my Martha life, I know I have missed a whole lot too. We live in a culture where work is rewarded, where work is noticed, and it's so much easier to get to know somebody by saying, what do you do, than to spend the time knowing, who are you? The gulf between work and our mind's refreshment can get mighty broad, and face it, sometimes, though, we have no choice about the work. I remember being told once years ago when I really wanted to go to a wedding, if you like your job, get on the plane. In our lesson last week, we heard of one man rescuing another. We were told, go and do likewise. Well, that's work. Work's not all bad. Two weeks ago, we're told to be laborers in the field. More work. Yes, it's necessary. Today's story, though, is not about not working. It's about awareness, about being conscious of what we're doing and why. To work as needed, and then when the work stops, and then to stop the work when it moves from essential to damaging. Author Brene Brown speaks of overwork as a way of what she calls numbing, another way to make us actually feel less. She writes, crazy busy is great armor. It's a great way for numbing. What a lot of us do is that we stay so busy and so out in front of our life that the truth of how we're feeling and what we really need can't catch up with us. Our call is to examine our days and find the balance between our potentially frantic pace and time to stop, digest, to heal, and breathe in that spirit that's holy, to recognize and rejoice in this creation that God has given us, to live each moment undistracted by anything but the God in one another. And by the way, I am not talking here about an Alexa type of listening that's passive and seldom responsive. We need whole brain listening, whole brain attention, 
involved and engaged with one another in God's creation, absorbing and responding, putting down our worries and distractions, putting down our computers, putting down our cell phones, stopping the overthinking and seizing the moments we're given to heal, to understand, to rest, to grow together, to become all that God intends us. For the Marthas among us, it's about paying attention and knowing when to stop. And now a word to the Marys. This is not permission wherever you are to be smug. It occurred to me that if Mary had really listened to Martha in the first place, maybe they could have just worked together and avoided the whole problem. Who knows? Bottom line is this. We all need to walk around our relationships with time and each other. Sometimes looking in at them as from the outside. Discerning the habits we should keep and redirecting the ones that distract us. It's all about balance. Again, last week, work. Today, time to stop and catch up with God's world. So, I'm another firm believer in homework. I know that all of you here understand the concept of work. And I believe most of you here, all of you here probably do plenty of it. Where are you when it comes to stopping? Do you have time to be devoted to hearing the ones you love? To speaking your heart? To teach from your life and learn from theirs? Have you stopped long enough today to align with God? Well, that you took the time to come here is a pretty good start. In this week to come, I challenge you to stop every single day and make time or extra time with those you love and that which feeds your soul. Give yourself that time, unworried, undistracted, no phones, no computers. Work set aside for the time. Even if you have to put it in your day planner or your Google calendar, schedule it if you have to. Recommit to God's world. Pay attention that you might live fully in the love we're given. For when the work is done, the love will last. It's the better part. That will never be taken from you. Amen.